for October 1st, the 18th Sunday after Pentecost, proper 21, Matthew 21, 23 through 32. A reading from the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. As we come to the stories of sacred scripture and we encounter the life of God, we encounter the life of God with people, we encounter the Holy Spirit in those stories that are about those named in the stories, but are also in some way, shape, or form about us. And I would offer that the most faithful assumption we can make about sacred scripture as we come to it is that it is good news to people everywhere. I think in the words of the angels, as they announced the birth of Christ to the shepherd, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he favors. Well, it's always a critical task to keep that scripture is good news before our minds. There are passages like this where how it is good news may be shielded or obfuscated from our view until we enter into it immersively in connection and collaboration with God's spirit. So let's step through the passage and see what we can see. Beginning with Matthew 21, verse 23. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? By this point in Christ's ministry, the actions they're wondering who gave him authority to perform are generally an accumulation for 21 chapters or a few years. He has for some time been proclaiming and demonstrating the nearness of the kingdom of God in his teaching. So in the words that he has said, how he's addressed the people, how he's instructed them, how he's responded to their questions, their, their, requ um, their requests for help, how he's um, healed both their, their insides and their outsides through things like forgiving of sins through inviting people to leave things behind, and some do, some don't, through the casting out of demons. Matthew doesn't tell the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, but 
the resurrection of Lazarus happens right before his triumphant entry where he's greeted by the crowds and they proclaim Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And because of his location being in the temple here in Matthew 21, 23, his cleansing of the temple where he, he overturned tables, he, um, he chased people out, and he confronted them all saying, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. With this having just happened, just prior to this, my suspicion is that their question, who gave you authority to do these things, is deeply connected or has been mostly elicited by his activity in the temple previously. By what authority? Who said you could clean up this house? And here's where I think we experience some of the invitation to move towards good news in the text, where it might not be so obvious. Um, have How often do you think about by what authority you do the things you do with your life? How often do you think about your life choices through that frame? As I thought about it, it seemed at best an awkward question for people who have been deeply formed in a consumer life, in a consumer society where our struggle is for comfort and we generally do what it is that we want, where, where the authority for our lives is me, what it is that I want, what it is that I think is best. How foreign are the words a few chapters earlier in Matthew that Jesus speaks when he says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and pick up his cross and follow. And where I think this question, by whose authority are you doing these things, that, that are asked by the religious leaders and the elders, where they become very helpful for us is to recognize where this can be a life-giving question for us as Christ followers. As we remember that our following of Christ is saying, Christ, you are Lord. You are the one who gives shape and direction and meaning to our lives. And in that way, our lives, as we've surrendered them, are subject I mean, these are big words. These are maybe hard words. These are a little more formal and commanding than we might like. But that's what comes hand in hand with our saying, we will deny ourselves. We will follow you. Our lives are yours. We abide in you and we invite you to come abide in us. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Not my will, but yours be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Be to me according to your will. Continuing in verse 24. Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? So a couple of things here. First, I think it's helpful to notice Jesus doesn't ask for a right answer. He's asking for them to disclose themselves to him. What do you think? Where are you? Tell me what you think about John the baptizer. And here we see another way in which this passage is good news for us. There's a seed of good news germinating in this question. And the question does what Christ is always doing with questions and answers and his conversations and his healings is he's revealing us to ourselves. God doesn't need information from us. When Jesus asks questions, he's not looking to get something from us. He's looking to give something to us. The questions Jesus asks are gifts. The questions that you're asked, that God asks you, they're gifts. These are gifts to us. They help us. They move us. They're good news. They're good news if we listen to them, if we tend them. And the question Jesus asks here 
is doubly a gift because it reveals the very ways in which these people in this moment are stuck. Jesus asks them the question, and their response is, continuing here in verse 25, and they argued with one another. If we say, John came from heaven, he will say to us, why then didn't you believe him? But if we say he's of human origin, then we are afraid of the crowd for all regard John as a prophet. Okay, so they're not trying to come to a consensus with each other about what they believed. They were attempting to come to a consensus on which answer would allow them to defeat Jesus. Their concern was neither truth, nor faithfulness, nor transformation, nor even genuine dialogue with Jesus. They were rather interested in some version of some political power struggle and winning it. The good news in the question, it is precisely marked where it is that they're stuck. And for us, it's the question too. Is your life in Christ of human origin or is your life in Christ part of the coming of the kingdom of heaven? Is your inner life reliant on the Holy Spirit's presence in your life or are you trying to work it out under your own power? Is your life self-help shaped or is it cruciform? Is it cross-shaped? Is it centered on the life, death, and resurrection of Christ and our sharing in it? And the question of identity rolls up into this moment as well. In verse 26, there's this phrase that happens as the chief priests and the elders are arguing. They don't want to say that John's of human origin because they know the crowd regards John as a prophet. And they say, we are afraid of the crowd. And so what we see here is the chief priests and the elders, their identity, who they are, what they think, how they live, is completely co-opted by wanting to be against Jesus and not wanting to anger the crowd. Is your identity mostly formed in what you can do, what people think about you? Or is it found in being an image bearer, one that's beloved? Is it, is it baptismal, right? Is it, has it been, have you been moved through the waters of the new birth with Christ? These are what the questions of God, these divine questions, get down to in our lives, who we are, how we are, what we're doing, where we're going. Do you know where you are? Do you know where you've come from? Is the origin of, of the trajectory of your life, is it of human or divine origin? Continuing in verse 27, and I love this verse, and there's so much hidden here, like right in plain sight. They answer to Jesus and they say, we don't know. And Jesus says, well, then I'm not going to tell you either. Right? They say we don't know. It's not true that they don't know. They just aren't going to tell him. And Jesus even acknowledges that in his response. Right? He doesn't say, well, I don't know either. He says, just as you're unwilling to tell me what you have in your hearts, I am not going to tell you. And he's not playing games with them. He's engaging with them in meaningful dialogue that's meant to draw out who they really are. These questions, these interactions, they are gifts, but they have to be tended in order to generate the fruit. And there's a patience that, that God has with us to bring forth real life into this world, to bring forth good things that actually come from us. And then he slides into a parable, again, in an agricultural metaphor. He places the conversation about what's happening in a vineyard, in a place that deals with seed and tending and, and pruning and trimming and patience. And in this parable, he juxtaposes two children 
who were both asked to do the same thing, to go work in the vineyard, to go tend this life, to go create that which we drink to feast. And one says no, but then goes and does the work. And one says, yes, I will go, but does not go. And in this little simple parable, Jesus asks them, which one? You know, who, who was actually faithful? The one that, that honored with their hands and their feet, their whole being? Or the one that honored with their mouth, but, but didn't actually? Had the words right, but didn't go. And they all answer. It was the ones who went in. And Jesus then finishes this engagement with a hard statement that reaches back into the conversation. He says, even after you saw it, you didn't change your minds. The kingdom of heaven is invisible, right? It's only seen by how those of us who live in the kingdom live it out. It's invisible, but it is concerned with real things, with realities. And it would appear that the high priests and the elders in, in this gathering, in this moment, aren't concerned with that. And this comes into view as they refuse to answer Jesus' question about John the Baptist because it won't serve the building of an earthly kingdom for these high priests and elders. So as we come to this as readers, as we come to this as those who are proclaiming and bringing these words into our community, the questions asked today are the means of grace, are the expressions of gospel in our text as they reveal us to ourselves, but as they also invite us out of dead lives into alive life. Grace and peace, friends, as you bring the good news of Jesus Christ from your heart, through your mouth, to all of the people. May we have the mind of Christ. Amen.